So we're going to get started. I'm going to start with a prayer. Holy Spirit, be our teacher today. As we continue worship and explore your word today, would you awaken our hearts, expand our thinking, and shape our lives and our actions in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, Jane, my youngest, loves music. She just loves all the music. And she loves um, Broadway, which she's only 12. And she hasn't been to Broadway. <laughs> she hasn't seen very many plays. She hasn't been... Um, she hasn't seen very much Broadway. And so I love it. She's always coming to me with songs that she loves. And I'm always intrigued by, you know, she just looks up Broadway songs and I'm always intrigued. What song is she going to bring me today? And the other day she brought a song, uh, Barbara Streisand's from Funny Girl, Don't Rain on My Parade. <laughs> I just thought that was so funny. I'm like, what junior higher today is listening to Barbara Streisand from Funny Girl? Mine, mine is. But I love it when she shares her music with me because I wonder what is it about this song? Because clearly it's not the popular thing right now. So what is it about this song that resonates with her? What is it that she enjoys? And um that idea of don't rain on my parade. I started thinking about other phrases like that. There's don't fence me in, don't tread on me, don't tell me what to do. You're not the boss of me. <laughs> That's what we tell our kids. You're not the boss of me, we're the boss. These are prayers or these are things we say to one another. Well, there's a prayer that David prayed, and this is, this is the prayer that we're going to add to our prayer list today, but it's Psalm 1913. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. I hear David saying, don't rule over me. Don't rule over me. Don't tread on me. Don't be the boss of me. Don't rain on my parade. So imagine that when you pray that prayer this week, say those phrases with it. I want to speak today about sin and add this prayer to our prayer list because sin affects our lives. But what is sin? We talk a lot about it in our freedom seminar. So if you want to dive deeper into this topic and understand more about it, please let me know in the fall or in the spring, it depends on the needs that we have in our congregation. Come let us know and we'll talk about when the next freedom seminar is. But we do a deep dive into sin and, and how it affects us and how to be healed of it and how to receive the Father's embrace and just be rid of generational bondage and um, spiritual demonic bondage from the occult and all that sort of thing. We want, we just do a deep dive into it. So sign up for that. Let us know if you want to do it. But today we're just going to talk about this prayer, David's prayer. And I want to start by reading the larger Psalm that it comes in Psalm 19. This is a Psalm of David. So he would sing this prayer, just like we were singing today. He would sing this prayer. 
It starts out, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the end of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens. As we were singing, let it rise today. I was, I had Psalm 19 in the back of my head. Let it rise. <laughs> it rises at one of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. Aren't those beautiful words? They remind us of God's majesty, his goodness, his faithfulness, his greatness. I mean, it's as sure as the rising and the setting of the sun. I love sunrises and I love sunsets. I have an old family friend, friend of my parents. I think it was her who said this. I don't know because, you know, I was a kid and it was my mom's friend, Kay Valentine. I think she used to say that the sunrise was God's personalized good morning to you. And the sunset was God's personalized good night to me. So when I look at the sunset and the sunrise, I'm like, God is saying hello to us. God is saying good morning. God is saying good night to you and me and to us. The sun reminds us of God's faithfulness and constant presence and his arms that want to wrap around us. Then it transitions into a section about um, the ways and the laws of the Lord. Let me read this section. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise and simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. I lost my place. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, honey from the honeycomb. By them, your servant is warned and keeping them. There is great reward. So verses seven through 11, invite us into the goodness and majesty of God. He lets us in on his ways, his decrees, his commands. God wants to bring joy to our heart, light to our eyes, refreshing to our souls. And God has all these ways, precepts, commands, statutes, laws, ways of bringing us in to that light and joy and refreshing. Now, this is the next section about sin. Verse 12, who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. There's three different types of sins, actually four. There's all sorts of different, and we're going to get into that a little bit, but there's errors Sometimes we just make mistakes. We just make errors and we miss what we're supposed to be doing. 
Sometimes we have hidden faults, things we can't see, things inside of us. And then sometimes we're like that prodigal son where we're just willful and determined to get out of town and do things our own way. Give us everything. Give us our inheritance. Give us what we have. We're taking off and doing our own thing. Don't let these sins rule over us, Lord. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. So what is sin? In the Bible, there's all sorts of different words for sin um, and different ways that describe how sin affects us. John 1.29, when John the Baptist sees Jesus and he cries out, he says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That Greek word for sin is hamartia. It literally means to miss the mark. Also, another way you can look at it is error, offense, take the wrong course, do the wrong, do, do the wrong thing. So Jesus came to take away all the ways that we miss it, all the ways we error, all the ways we get on the wrong course. Jesus came to help us get on the right course, go the right way to get where, we're, where we long to be, where God's called us to be. Other words that you find, and this isn't just individually, it's also collectively, because individually we, we make mistakes, but also collectively we make mistakes. And Jesus came to help us in our sin. Other words are transgression, which means to break trust, to infringe upon someone else's boundaries, to transgress against someone or, or God. The other one is iniquity. It's like to be crooked, to have a propensity towards something that is wrong and not right. In my simple words, sin is a failure to receive love from God and to love God and a failure to love people. Because that's what sin does. It breaks down relationship. It hurts things. Even, even um, with our surroundings and even with the land. Galatians says it this way, Galatians 5. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are pretty clear. <laughs> it's clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Other ways we miss what we should be doing. We are, we're, we're on the wrong path. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living in this sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But verse 22 says, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There's no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified him there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Remember our first prayer in the pray, prayer list, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and strength. Every part of us loves the Lord. 
So we could talk a lot more about sin and how it entangles us and all those things, but I'm not going to do that today. So join us for the freedom seminar. Let me know if you want to do that. But I want to talk about five different responses to sin, five different ways we respond to it. One is we believe the lie that God can't handle it. I hear this all the time. Sometimes we even preach this from churches. We say, God can't even be in the presence of sin. He can't tolerate it. But it's not true. And we're missing the point if that's what we think. We know it's not true because Satan stood before God. In the book of Job, Satan goes and stands before God to see if he can test Job. In Luke 22, 31, Jesus says to Simon, Satan has gone before the father and asked if he can sh uh, shift you like wheat. Sift you, not shift you, sift you. And then in Revelations 12, 10, it says the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before a God day and night has been hurled down. So Satan, like the worst offender is in the presence of God. So obviously God can handle sin. God can handle sin. When Adam and Eve sinned, they hid from God. God didn't hide from them. Remember that? God wasn't like, oh no, Adam and Eve, what have you done? God was like, where are you? Come out of hiding. I want to talk to you. I want to help you. Come out, come out. The entire book of Hosea, now that's a fascinating book to read, should read it sometime. It's an allegory, it's a metaphor where Jesus or God asks one of his prophets to marry a prostitute and love her and care for her, even though she keeps going out back to her trade and she keeps coming back and they have children together and she keeps going back and he keeps bringing her back. God can handle us. When we've gone away and we come back, God can hand, God wants, that's what God wants. God put a whole book in the Bible about that, the book of Hosea. Sometimes we think that Jesus had to go to the cross so that God can love us. But Jesus didn't go to the cross so he'd be able to love us. He went to the cross because he loves us. Yeah, God handled your sin by sending Jesus to pay for the cross already. <laughs> he did it already. If we can't handle that idea, we need to ask God to reveal what is in us that is preventing us from handling that idea. And, and maybe it's pride. It could be pride that wants us to keep control of what's happening in our lives instead of releasing our lives to Jesus, the one who wants to wrap us in his arms and care for us and nurture us and set us on the right path. Help us hit the mark for an abundant life in Christ, a life in power. The second thing we do, we ignore it or we deny it. We do this individually and we do this collectively. So I had a friend who called me one day 
to talk. And she wanted to tell me something, but before we got to what she wanted to tell me, she um, told me something else because I asked her, how's this going? And it, it had to do with forgiveness. She's really struggling to forgive someone who had harmed her family and harmed her. And she's like, I, it's 70 times 70, Sarah. This is hard. I, I'm struggling with it. I'm battling with it. I don't want a root of bitterness to take hold in me. I don't want it, but it, it's hard. It's hard. I feel like giving up. And I was like, come on, you can do it. Come on. She's confessing her sin to me, right? She's confessing because we know that forgive, unforgiveness harms us. So I said, you got this. Let's keep doing it. Let's keep praying. You can forgive and you can keep going. You can keep going. So then we talked about a bunch of other stuff. And then she said, here's the real reason I called. So she and I, we believe that dreams, that God can use dreams to speak to us. And there was a series of three dreams. One dream she had, one dream her friend had, and one dream one of her kids had. And she knew they were all related. And she's like, Sarah, listen to these dreams. She tells me her dream. She tells me the second dream that her friend said, I didn't want to tell you this, but I had a dream you died. She's like, oh, that's a terrible dream. And then the, the dream her kid had was, I had a dream you died of cancer. And she's like, Sarah, I'm terrified. <laughs> I'm like, can you pray for this? This is rattling me. I just want to give up. I just want to go get in a hole. Like life is just too hard. And now my kids and my friends and I'm having these scary dreams. And I said, I said, I listened, 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 listened. And I said, hold on a minute. I said, could it be that you had this strong of dreams to tell you that unforgiveness and a root of bitterness are as lethal as cancer. And if we don't take care of this, this unforgiveness and bitterness, it's gonna eat away at you. It's gonna eat away at you. Psalm 31.10 says, my life is spent with grief and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my iniquity. My other translations say affliction, guilt, sin and my bones waste away i she's not my only friend i i struggle with unforgiveness i struggle with bitterness we I, is there anyone in this room who hasn't it's it's a lethal it is lethal and it will waste our bones away and we know the worst thing when you go to a doctor is when they diagnose you is like, what stage did we get it in time? And that's how aggressive they treat you, how aggressively they treat you. The worse your, your cancer, the more aggressive they are to treat it. The worse your sin, the more aggressive we want to be to go after it and open it up and deal with it and give it to God thinking about those phrases I mentioned at the beginning, don't tread on me. Sin will tread on you if you ignore it. Don't stuff it. Don't pass. It. Don't, don't ignore it. Let it come out. Hide. The third thing we do is we hide. I already mentioned Adam and Eve hiding from God, 
fighting with our sin just creates shame. I'm not worthy. I don't belong. I can't come to church. I shouldn't be here. I have all these problems. I think that every single week, guys, because I sin to the moment I'm preaching. <laughs> I just, you know, my I don't I miss God's love for me. I miss the security that I have in Christ. I I allow things to come in and, and steal my place in Christ. But no, I'm not gonna hide. I'm going to come out here and say, I'm weak. There are areas that I need to change. And God loves me as much as he loves you. And I'm going to be honest about it. And I'm going to say, let's not hide. Let's not be people of shame. Let's not do that to one another either. Let's not do that to one another. Don't hide when you're in shame. Don't, don't hide because that's not God's heart. God's heart is to go after you and say, let me help you. Let me clothe you. Let me restore you. Sin will fence you in. Judas, in his sin, he went to such a place of grief, his life ended in death. Peter, in his sin, he denied Christ he abandoned Christ. He re rejected him, remember? And he went back to his fishing. When Jesus came, he was reconciled. Peter didn't have to be reconciled. Jesus gave him a chance to say, no, I can't do this anymore. Jesus, Peter could have gone the other way, but he didn't. He said, yes, Lord, I love you. Yes, Lord, I love you. Yes, Lord, I love you. And I want to follow you. Peter came back. We get to come back. <laughs> we get to come back. Don't let sin fence you in and shame you. Psalm 34, 5. This is one of our favorites in the Freedom Seminar. I sought the Lord and he answered me. Did I miss that one? Sorry, guys. I did my PowerPoint in a hurry this time. Psalm 34, 5, it says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him, shame makes us look away, right? Ah. But when we look to the Lord, our faces are radiant and never covered with shame. Let's look to the Lord. Let's look to the Lord. The fourth thing we do, we magnify our sin. Like under a magnifying glass, we make it really big. <laughs> and the only person we're supposed to magnify is Jesus. I don't know, why do we do that? Is it some sort of self-punishment? Is it twisted pride? Sometimes we get fixated, especially if we're religious. Especially as religious folks. Let's be honest, we can get there. We magnify our sin. And let me tell you, if you magnify your sin, sin will be the boss of you. Sin will be the boss of you. So we recently went on vacation and our family went on a bicycle tour in a city. And so we're all riding bikes in a new city and we're with other families on this bike tour. And I'm behind this 10-year-old from Ohio. <laughs> and she's riding her bike. And 
she's not the most stable on her bicycle. And we're riding on a street until we get to a bike path. And as she's riding her bike, there's cars going by on this side and there's cars parked on this side. No problem, there was plenty of space. It was still a bike path. But every time we get close to a parked car, she was afraid of the rear view mirrors sticking out. And so instead of looking ahead where she should be going in this little wobbly bike, she'd reach out and push herself off the rear view mirrors. And I was just like watching her like overcorrect. And what happens when you look at the car, you steer your whole bike into the car. She was magnifying the car and not the road. Next thing you know it, we're going from the bicycle path onto the larger bicycle path where no vehicles are supposed to be. And have you ever seen those metal barriers they put to keep vehicles off a pedestrian or bike pathway? There's plenty of space to ride our bikes right through, right? But I knew it, I knew it. I started pedaling so slow <laughs> and I'm so glad she didn't crash. But I was like, you know, here she goes and she's trying to touch this one and touch that one. Put your hands on, the, you know, just keep your hands on the bar and just look straight ahead, hon, straight ahead. And she's putting down her feet to stop it. And I was just like, there's going to be a pile up. There's 10 people behind me. She was fine. But she was fixing her eyes on the things that would keep her from hitting the mark, making her destination, enjoying the ride. She was affecting my ride too. <laughs> when we fixate on sin and magnify sin, it's why we don't talk about it that much because we have a whole freedom seminar to help us out. But we don't talk about it much because we want to fix our eyes on Jesus and allow the Holy Spirit to do the work in us and others. I'm not worried about, about sin. God's got this. When we follow Jesus, he's making a way for us. But I don't want to let it be the boss of you. <laughs> don't let it be the boss of you. There's a story in 2 Chronicles 20. Oh, Romans 6, 6 first. Thank you. <laughs> we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God can handle it. I love this story in 2 Chronicles 20 King, about King Jehoshaphat. I, I like the way it's worded. I don't know if I like, I just love this story. This king of Israel or Judah, I can't remember right now, but of God's people, <laughs> He's there and this vast army is coming against him. And so the first thing that happens is his people come to him and say, a vast army is coming against you. And he's alarmed, <laughs> he's alarmed. And so Jehoshaphat says, so it says alarmed, what did he do? He resolved to inquire of the Lord. When you are overwhelmed, when you are alarmed, resolve to inquire of the Lord. Our first three prayers in our prayer list are all about going first to God, going to the rock that is higher than us when we're overwhelmed, 
Come quickly, Lord, come help. You who, oh Lord, you are, here, oh Lord, the Lord our God is one God, right? Those are our first three prayers because it all starts there. And then I love this. He says, we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. So Dan, Steve, Brenda, Karen, can you all come up here real quick for an illustration? <laughs> Sorry, you don't have to do anything but stand here. So come on, come up close. So the three of you come especially close. Steve, can you get in the middle? And then Dan, okay, like here, okay, just like this. But look at me, the three of you look at me. Dan, you stay back there. Dan is Jesus. Doesn't he look like Jesus? <laughs> dark hair, dark eyes. You're a little too handsome to be Jesus because they said Jesus wasn't much to look at. So I need you to get back behind Steve. You stay there. So imagine this army is against me. Imagine Julie, Steve, and Karen multiplied by thousands. What's this vast army, right? This vast army, you guys do this to me. You're against me. <laughs> and you know what? All I'm going to do is fix my eyes on Jesus. Look at him smiling at me. He wants to take care of me. He loves me. Okay, that's it. Thank you. I know that's kind of silly, but I promise 10 years from now, I hear it all the time. That's what you're all going to remember. <laughs> is me fixing my eyes on Jesus, looking past my enemy, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Sometimes sin is magnified in our lives because we don't know how to handle it. This is just true. And you know what? It's okay. It's okay. We're going to be okay. Jesus has got us. Jesus covers us. Jesus clothes us. Jesus has a way for us. Fix our eyes on Jesus. Hebrews 12, one through two. I love this passage. And I saw it in a whole new light this week. It says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, he, he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So here's what's interesting that I saw differently. Maybe this is all clear to you all, but I hadn't seen it before. We look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And that helps us let go of the weight and the sin that ensnares us. But Jesus did that at the cross. He was dealing with the sin. He was dealing with the shame. He was dealing with rejection. And what did he do? He set his focus on the joy set before him. He focused on the joy set before him. 
The joy set before him allowed him to endure that cross and that shame. When we fix our eyes on Jesus, there's joy. There's a joy set before us. There's a freedom set before us that we can get to. So the fifth, the fifth response is confess and be healed. Confess and be healed. James 5, 16, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. What a promise, eh? What a promise. We can confess our sin to each other and pray for each other and be healed. When we confess with one another, we're not shocked. We're not alarmed because we know, <laughs> we all know our own state and how the things that we've done and the things we can do and the things we have propensity toward, the way we have transgressed on others, the way we have inclinations in certain areas and the way we sometimes just mess up. We know our own condition. Why would we judge or be shocked by anybody else's condition. Sometimes we do grieve, right? Like my friend who's dealing with this uh, unforgiveness and, and, and fighting this root of bitterness, like I'm grieved for her. I'm grieved. I'm like, we can, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. Don't let this, don't let this tread on you, right? But there's no hidden fault no error, no mistake, no willful sin that Jesus can't handle. So don't ignore or deny sin. Don't let it tread on you. Don't hide sin and shame. Don't be fenced in. Don't magnify sin and let it be the boss of you. Instead, just confess. Confess and be healed. We have the Lord's prayer. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We have Psalm 19 among many other prayers that we can pray. We have the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. And we have one another that we can rely on and walk with and bear each other's burdens and help us keep going. So I'm just going to close with that. Um, let's stand. I was going to have Kathy sing that song, Fix Our Eyes on Jesus, one more time. And, and anybody who can join you, I don't know if you guys can join her. Um, I have our prayer cards for you all today as you leave. We'd love to pray, um, take a prayer card to put in your back pocket, to put on your, your prayer list, to put on your mirror, on your dashboard, wherever it works for you. Take that to work on memorizing that and praying that prayer. Um, we have a table here where you can meet with people to pray. If you came with someone, you can pray with anyone here. You can pray with anyone here. Um, we want to pray with you. We want to bless you. Um, some of our leaders have these lanyards 
well, that we will pray with you. I will pray with you. Um, let's go ahead. I'm just going to pray. Lord, I pray that we would fix our eyes on you. That we would not deny or ignore sin. That we wouldn't hide from it. That we wouldn't magnify it. But let us be a people of confession and wholeness and joy because of the promises that we know we have in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Every breath it is a gift, every moment is a treasure. All my past and my regrets, my present and my Every table is a feast, every heartbeat is an altar. Every step a mystery, I'm walking with the author. Thank you. So I fix my eyes upon you. I fix my eyes upon you.
sin before, if you've never given your life to the Lord, and you're like, I want to do that. I want to fix my eyes on Jesus and leave my old ways behind, and I want to be like that son coming in to see the the prodigal son coming in to see the father of prodigals, (laughs) then let us know. We want to pray with you and rejoice with you and see you come into that health and wholeness. So you can talk with Brian and Joanne, you can talk with me, you can talk with Steve on the way out. Lots of people in this room would love to talk with you about that. So go in the peace and joy of the Lord, fixing your eyes on Jesus and see you at the picnic on Wednesday night. Sign up in the foyer to help and see you next week when we pray for our kiddos as they go back to school and any college students or master students or vocational students, any students who want prayer next week, we will pray for you. So God bless you all.